and our only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen. Whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful, we hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm here with the one, the only, the sexy, the talented, the teasing, and forever pleasing, Mr. Eric Robinson. (laughs) Hi. Did that go in a direction you were comfortable with? Very. Excellent. We are so, so grateful and excited to have you here for episode 109, and we are calling this Trauma 101, How to Help, What to Say, and Paths to Healing. This is an episode that I have wanted to, you know, end of 2019, guys, I'm getting all the episodes in that I've been wanting to do for literally years that I've just been sitting on. This is an episode I've wanted to do for a couple of years. I've been compiling thoughts and notes on it for a while. Now just felt like the right time to do it. I'm not going to sit on it anymore. I'm not going to perfect it. I thought of like a million reasons why I should wait another week and get more information and get more quotes from people. But I just am so excited to bring this to you, not because I'm excited to talk about trauma, (laughs) but because I really, really believe that after listening to this, you're going to be better equipped to not only reach out and help those around you, but to maybe examine and deal with a few things in your own life. So with this episode, I'm going to give a huge obvious disclaimer. I am not a mental health professional. I am professional at having mental health issues. I am professional at acting like I know what I'm talking about for a little bit of validation. I do spend a considerable amount of time talking to mental health professionals, mostly conversationally, but also I talk to my own mental health <laughs> professionals, but also um, reading books, researching. been fortunate enough to, to talk to a lot of mental health professionals about trauma, and so far I have not said anything where they've looked me in the eye and said, you are incorrect, but you are welcome at all times to do that. I'm going to focus on sharing um, a lot of my personal experience because we are always experts in our own story. But what we're going to cover today is we're going to talk about what is trauma. It's a word that gets thrown around. And then we're going to talk about the effects of untreated trauma. After we talk about that, I think the most important thing we're going to get into today is how to help people and how to reach out when traumatic events happen. And before you shut off and you're like, oh, trauma, that is this, I want to say what I'm going to be talking about today is all different things, whether it's people, either you or someone you know, getting a diagnosis that is heavy, whether it's an accident, whether it's sexual or physical assault. I'm not going to go into too many details, so I hope that this doesn't trigger too much for anyone. I'm going to keep it in generalities here because I I really do want as many people to be able to listen as possible. I will share some examples and different things, so um, just know that. But like I said, I'm going to try to keep it pretty light, as light as you can when talking about trauma. (laughs) I'm really excited to to just open the conversation about trauma because as we learn from Queen Goddess Brene Brown, shame is what happens when we don't have voice for our feelings and our experiences. Recently, I was able to do an amazing podcast interview that you guys are going to get to hear soon. She helped give some voice 
to some things that I really thought I had processed and some things I thought I had let go. But even just by her giving voice and, and giving me a couple of words to put around my thoughts and experiences, it really has like opened me up in so many ways. And that's really what I hope we do today. Eric, are you ready? So ready. Let's do it. He's so ready. Let's get into this. Let's talk about what is trauma. A traumatic event is just something that causes physical, emotional, spiritual, or psychological harm. It does not matter how severe it is. You don't have to earn something to call it a trauma. I do think we can banty the word trauma around pretty lightly, like, oh, it traumatized me. I do think we, like all things, can maybe be more mindful um, about it. But I also think so often, uh, especially in comparison culture, which is just culture because that is our nature as human beings, we love to think that something that has happened to us is not valid because it is not as severe as something that's happening to someone else. The other reason I thought that this was an interesting time to do this episode is because this week will be the two-year anniversary of me being hit by a car. So that is episode 40 and 40. Of our podcast, if you want to have more information about that, I was on a run and I got hit by a car. Last year was the one year anniversary, and it was really, really crazy. It was really crazy the things that were popping up, the reactions my body was having, and I just was so confused because. Unlike the other things that I'm used to, like anxiety or depression that kind of build that I can kind of understand, the thing that has really confused me about some of my traumatic responses is they just come out of nowhere. I feel so confused by them, and I'll just start noticing I'm doing things like like I'm eating just frantically, just frantic eating and I'll be like holy crap like what am I even doing I don't even understand what this is or like last week I left an exercise class and it put a lot of strain on my neck and it wasn't that I was in physical pain but often when things start to kind of touch around my area where I was injured or impacted sometimes I'll just burst into tears and it's it really feels kind of crazy because it feels there's no buildup there's no warning it's just like I'm sitting there and then I just start crying it really can be so alarming and I was talking to Eric and I was saying I just feel so stupid I feel so stupid like being hit by a car like I just was looking at what is a traumatic event to me. It's an incident that caused physical, emotional, spiritual, and psychological harm to me. And I just want to immediately start judging it with people who have had other types of trauma that I deem more severe. I'm not saying that the other types of trauma aren't more severe. There doesn't need to be some scale. I just really want to validate you that you don't have to earn something to call it traumatic. In fact, I was talking to my therapist who is a trauma specialist and he was saying that there in some forms of thought there are just three basic traumas that we all go through just in general they're called the three given traumas there's essentially moments where you conclude something like I am wrong. And then that happens in in your early almost childhood. And then in your early teens, there's this idea of I don't fit. And then in early adulthood, there's this trauma, this realization of 
I'm all alone. And those are called even just the three basic given traumas. So I think it's really easy to look at your life and even say, well, I haven't been hit by a car. I haven't been sexually abused. I haven't been physically abused. This and this and this didn't happen. That does not mean that it was not a traumatic event for you. So even the perceived threat of something can trigger a traumatic response mentally and physically. The book that I've been referencing lately is a book all about trauma called The Body Keeps the Score. And in it, he talks about how when the body goes into a state of trauma, essentially what happens is that that vagus nerve is triggered and that's your fight or flight response. And what can happen is that response gets triggered for whatever reason that it gets triggered. When those functions are triggered, your body goes into different states. And what can happen with trauma is that it, it gets stuck. It gets stuck in those states. And so the actual physiology of your body function starts to change. Survival mode kicks in and all non-essential functions can stop. There's a big study called the ACEs study, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And that study really, really focuses on trauma in childhood. And they have enough research now and they've studied it enough now to to understand that when children, especially at an early age, are exposed to trauma, the actual way that their brain develop changes, the physiology of their body changes. And it's just so bananas to me as I learn more and more about this, how cavalier we are when it comes to childhood trauma especially, and how many millions and millions of people are walking around with untreated childhood trauma that has actually changed how their brain develops. And we look at people who are homeless and we look at people on the street and we judge them. So many of those things are tied to untreated trauma. Also, trauma creates an instantaneous change. So typically something that would happen over months or years. So there's no process or adaptation time. For example, I I can see this to be true in being hit by a car where truly one moment I was doing something that I felt very safe and very confident doing that I had been doing my entire life on a run and then I was hit. I watched a car hit me. The other day I was trying to cross the street and I got stuck. I almost dropped to the ground in the middle of the street. This doesn't always happen, but like the amount of panic and danger I felt, I noticed it when we were trick-or-treating this year with the kids. I, I almost couldn't do it. I kept screaming at the kids. I just was screaming at them to get out of the street. And I said to Eric, I was like, Eric's laughing, but like, I... I couldn't stop screaming at him. I really do think it was like that instantaneous change from like, it is okay to be in the street and be safe to even if you're being safe, you're not safe in the street. It was so quick. There wasn't that process or adaptation time. The effects of trauma can cause intense emotion, including extreme emotional fluctuations. I'll read more of the effects of trauma, but self-compassion is one of the most effective methods in processing trauma. I want to say that again. Self-compassion. And you want to know what I learned? One of the biggest things I learned from being hit by a car is how freaking ruthless I am to myself. And I really do wish, not that you learn it the way that I learn it, I wish more people could have that stark contrast of learning how ruthless you are to yourself, how unkind you are to yourself. Analysis is like mental warfare, analyzing things and how we're so we're so violent in our thoughts the way we pick things apart the way we stress the way we worry it's so violent and self-compassion 
is one of the most effective methods of processing trauma. So I want to go back to that first thing I said is that you don't have to earn something to call it a trauma. And when you sit down and you start to pick apart something that has really affected you and you're really harsh on yourself for it, like like I tend to do and like I've been, it's one of the least effective things you can do. So if you want to just be more efficient and stop wasting time, have more self-compassion, right? Everybody wants more time. Everybody wants to be more productive. Freaking be nicer to yourself. Let's talk a titch about trauma therapy. The objectives of trauma therapy then is to mitigate symptoms, to reduce the post-traumatic stress symptoms and increase your capacity to feel safe. The other objective of trauma therapy is to expand your ability to endure the pain that was caused by the trauma and its aftermath and to increase your capacity to self-sustain and experience joy with yourself and others. Those are just so, so important. There's lots of different types of trauma therapy. I'll share one that I've used, which is called EMDR, and it's like rapid rapid eye movement, something, something, okay? And, And essentially, people do it in different ways. You're basically like following a pen or a clicker, you're following something with your eye and your brain and your eyes and the way that the synapses in your brain are firing while while you're following this. And then you're asked a series of questions. I will say that I I was personally suffering with a lot of flashbacks. Doing EMDR really, really helped me with that. I feel like I've been able to really get to a, a much healthier place because of the trauma therapy that I went to. And I'm, I'm going to be super honest. If I hadn't been doing this podcast and if I hadn't been doing the work I've been doing for the last few years, I know that I would not have gone and gotten help so quickly. Because in the past, I've let myself suffer. I've let myself just be in emotional pain and turmoil and not gotten any help because I felt like I had to earn the help. I felt like I, I wasn't sick enough for the help because... I'm in a position where I am so, so reliant on, we're all in this position, but like literally the work I do every day, I, I got to be in the best place possible. I got to be in the best place possible. And I, I love that I did that to myself. I literally built a career around me being in a good flow state and energy state when I teach, when I do the podcast, when I do workshops, when I'm a keynote speaker, and I'm trying to give myself more self-compassion that I don't try to hold myself to being in a perfect state at all times because obviously we ebb and flow in life. But I wouldn't have gone and gotten that help unless I was doing this podcast, unless it was something I was talking about all the time. And I'm so glad that I did. I actually met somebody, I was out shopping and somebody came up to me and she said, you got hit by a car. And I was like, why? Yes, I did. Good to meet you. (laughs) And she said, I got hit by a car. And she's like, and it had been over 20 years for her or, or more. And she was saying... She just she just locked eyes with me and she was like I get it, you know. And and I'm not going to make any assumptions about this beautiful woman or or anything she's been through, but there's a there's a lot of people who have come up to me and said I got hit by a car. I got depressed. I gained a ton of weight. I stopped using my body. Um, that led me into a bigger depression. I lost this function. I got a divorce. I mean, really, that's just one example how traumatic events spiral. I want to now talk a little bit more about the effects of untreated trauma and 
all of the side effects that there are. So just just to like put it into perspective, trauma has killed more Americans, so trauma-related side effects, okay, since 2001 than the Afghanistan and Iraq wars, and it is twice as likely to affect women as breast cancer is. The effects of untreated trauma include substance abuse, alcoholism, sexual problems, inability to maintain healthy, close relationships, or choose appropriate people to be friends with. The effects of untreated trauma include hostility, constant arguments with loved ones, being socially withdrawn, constant feelings of being threatened. Have you ever been to San Francisco recently? Yeah, we both have. And what is the what is one of the number one things when you're in San Francisco that you can't help but see? The homeless and drug problem. This you just every street you walk it's down. It's getting worse too. Is just packed. And I just want to go through this list. Substance abuse, inability to maintain healthy relationships, hostility, constant arguments with loved ones, untreated trauma and people with early childhood trauma, especially that's untreated, they have more risk of health and heart disease. They're at a higher risk of getting cancer. If we want to look at like the freaking root cause of so many of the epidemic, the suicide epidemic, the loneliness epidemic, I'm on a freaking high horse crusade over here about the effects of untreated trauma. So now what I want to talk about is if you feel like you need help, get help, get help. And I get it. I get it. You're saying, I don't know how to find a therapist. Let me tell you the best way to find a therapist is you get quiet, you get intentional, and you just, when, when you feel so inclined, you open up to a couple people and you say, hey, do you have any recommendations for a therapist? Another thing to do is to Google therapists in your area and look at their pictures. Just Google therapists. Like, I'm dead serious. And you look at their pictures and you just see how you feel. And you read what they specialize in. And the other thing about therapists is just like anything else in life, you think that you're going to find a therapist faster than you find a pair of shoes? Think how long you spend shopping for a pair of shoes. And you won't do yourself the kindness to spend as much time trying to find somebody who can help you so that you can live a fulfilling life? Are you kidding me? The other thing that I know that people have a hard time with is the money. But there's so many different types of therapy. There's coaching. And I am in no way saying that my awesome on-demand membership is a replacement for a one-on-one therapeutic relationship. But we have so many people who come into my awesome on-demand group who really access the tools and that's what they need right now. If you have early childhood trauma or any sort of trauma that you need to discuss, I highly recommend talking to a therapist or at least going and having a couple of sessions of, of, of one-on-one help. I just, I cannot, like, you guys, I practice what I preach over here. I practice what I preach. I've had to change therapists. I've had to find new therapists. I've been in a therapeutic relationship that was not working for me. And I get that it's hard, but like we spend more time trying to find like a hair person that's good. You know what I mean? You talk about your nail person a lot. I freaking love Jimmy. I talk about my nail person a lot. I also talk about my therapist, Joe, a lot. I love Joe. I love Jimmy. I love my boys, you know? I mean, but it is funny, though, how inconsequential nails are in reality. Yes. (laughs) But uh, you'll stop at nothing to make sure those are done twice a month or whatever. I don't know how often you go. Uh, Absolutely. I will stop at nothing. Yeah. So funny. And think, I just want you to ask yourself before you start saying money, time, resources, 
what are you prioritizing over the most important thing in your life, okay? Now, I want to talk about how to help. I want to talk about how to help those who are in need. I want to talk about how to reach out to people. I want to thank some people. So my sister-in-law, Chelsea, Eric is brothers with Curtis. So Curtis is Eric's brother and his wife, Chelsea. Um, A little over about two years ago, they lost their three-month-old son, Gavin. I asked Chelsea a while ago to compile some ideas of things that were helpful as they were going and, and are still going through that loss and that grief. I also, Kim can kick it on Instagram. She, like a godsend angel last night, posted this incredible video where she has been very open and so beautiful and sharing her um, experience with cancer and her treatments and lots of different things like that. And she posted a really moving video of her holding up different pieces of paper with all of the unsolicited, I don't even want to call it advice. So I mean, just like the commands and the shoulds that people are telling her. And and this really, this I'm, I'm pairing this with not judging people with how they deal with their trauma and also not judging people with what they decide to do for their treatment. I just really recommend that video. We'll link to it because I love what she shares there where she's like, you know, I've made these decisions. She had a great suggestion of like, sometimes people say, hey, are you interested in hearing about, are you interested in learning about rather than you should, you need to. She says this, so much of our suggestions and intentions are ultimately good and we know it worked or might work for somebody that we love. It really, especially when people are in a fragile state, even when people are not in a fragile state, people barking a bunch of shoulds at them is not a helpful thing to do. And so I I love her video. We'll be sure to link to that resource. Corinne and I on her Mint Arrow podcast did an episode where we opened up and talked about helping people through trauma and hard times as they she lost a brother-in-law this year and has gone through some other hard stuff. And then also the experience of my dad being diagnosed with his terminal cancer and watching people rally around them. That's where a lot of these experiences come from recently. I'm just, I'm so grateful to everybody who has been open with me and shared suggestions with me knowingly or unknowingly. (laughs) And now let's talk about how to help people. The number one tip that everyone shares is instead of asking how you can help, just show up and help. Instead of saying, what can I do for you? You say, I'm going to bring you a meal on Tuesday. Is a Tuesday a good day for you? Or I'm going to bring you a treat by on Saturday. Is three o'clock a good time for you? See, when you phrase offering your help in this way, you are removing the amount of decisions that somebody who is experiencing something very hard has to make. Okay, and so that is something offering help, but offering it to them in the way of here's what I'm planning on doing and will it work? They can obviously say no, they can say no thank you, but things you can offer are laundry, cleaning, errands, babysitting, something that I've been doing, I did for a few friends who miscarried, and this is something my friend Katie did for me um, after finding out about my dad, is just bought a bunch of fun groceries and dropped them off on my doorstep. 
you can't go wrong going to Target or going to the grocery store and buying cereal that is like seasonal and the seasonal Oreos and and whatever the types of foods are that they like. Um, so if I was going to buy it for Nichelle, I'd buy a bunch of like weird, uh, like um, organic stuff, right? Like, <laughs> like the types of foods you know they like and just guessing. And then you've got to think when everybody, whenever anybody's dealing with anything and they have kids, the kids kids need entertainment. The kids need something to do. And so on Amazon, we have these awesome packs that you can order. And we're going to link to all of this, but they have these awesome packs you can order. They're like snack packs and like sending those to someone's house. So the kids just have snacks and they have things to do. People have told me that that has been really, really helpful. And now this tip comes from Chelsea. She says, then whatever you do, go back in six weeks and repeat. And I thought that that was a really amazing tip. And I remember this from having babies, that you get all those meals in the beginning, and then I would be kind of losing my mind with postpartum depression and anxiety, and it would be three or four months out, and I'd be like, I really wish <laughs> I really wish I could get some of that help I originally had, right? Another awesome thing to do is take people food gift cards, paper products. You know, you don't want to be doing dishes, just different things like that can be really helpful. And then also remembering to treat people like a normal normal human. What do you think about that? You made a face, Eric. Well, it seems obvious. I was, I was just inter- interested to hear what you said next. Like, what, what do you mean treat them like a human? Like, So when somebody is sick or has cancer uh-huh. or somebody is going through a really hard time, people can just start talking to you like, how you doing? You know, and and really like, I think another thing that has been really helpful for me to learn about, especially when somebody loses a loved one, is they want to talk about the person. And so ignoring that things are happening, I think there's that fine line between treating people like a normal human and having a regular conversation with them and then ignoring what has happened. Yeah. If somebody has lost a loved one, they are thinking about that loved one. I remember when my best friend growing up died, we went over to his house, to his parents' house that night, and obviously it was really somber, but we all, like the childhood group, our group of friends went over and we just like told all our favorite stories about him. And I could tell it meant so much to the family that we were over there just like reminiscing about all the good times and celebrated um, him instead of talking about the tragedy and all the details and... Um, Every year now, I always message his mom, you know, on his birthday and just always let her know that I'm thinking about him. And it's been really good for me and her. And I think another thing is we get afraid to use people's names. We we don't want to say, Joel, hey, I'm thinking about Joel. Or I'm thinking about Gavin. Or I had a thought about Gavin today and man, I just, he's so beautiful. He's so beautiful. I'm so glad I had that thought about Gavin. I remembered him today. People are not not thinking about it, especially after they've loved it, they've lost a loved one. I think the other thing is is it's never too late. It's never too late. I had a I had a good friend and a neighbor, and I sucked when her dad died. I sucked. I just sucked. I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better, and I was so worried about doing the wrong thing that I just didn't do anything, and I didn't talk about it, and I kept getting so worried I was going to do the wrong thing that I just did nothing. And you, then you made it all about you. I made I made it all about me. That's exactly what I did. Is I made it all about me. When I found out about my dad, I texted her, and it had been two or three or four years, and I said, I just want to apologize that I wasn't there for you during that time. 
I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you during that time. In Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness, she talks about the importance of showing up for each other in collective times of sorrow. And when people are talking about people who they feel close to and people they trust, so often what they bring up is people who showed up for them at their dad's funeral or at a friend's funeral or when their mom was sick. That's truly how, that's really when these close bonds are formed. And, and are made. I think another great thing to do is just to check in to see if the visits are helpful and harmful. And like Eric said, what we unintentionally do is we make it about us. And I think in the last three or four years, I've become so much braver about helping in times of trauma or times of loss and grief because I'm not making it about me anymore and I used to make it about me. I think the other thing that we do is we think that we need to commiserate and tell long stories, but really what people need to hear is, I'm so sorry. This sucks. I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. You're you're so inspiring to me. Something that these women came over and said to my dad that I really, really loved. Uh, I was there. They had made him a quilt, and they were women from church, and they came over and they said, hey, Craig, we're on your team. We're on your team. And I don't know why that was so touching to me. And so now, especially when somebody is going through something hard, I text them and I say, I'm so sorry. This breaks my heart for you. See, I'm making that about me. I'm not saying like, this sucks. Like, I'm like, this breaks my heart for you. I'm so sorry. I'm on your team. I'm praying for you. I'm rooting for you. Rather than my friend had a friend who had that same type of cancer or my friend had a friend whose child died. Do you see what I'm saying? Or, hey, can you give me all of the exact details of how this person passed away or the type of cancer they have? That is never helpful. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes in an effort to connect and some of us really need details to to, to process information, but unless the person is offering details or unless you say, would you, do you want to share any more details? There's really just no reason to like make people rake and process over those details. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so my barometer for that is, am I asking this question from a place of curiosity or am I asking it from a place of concern? I think you're going to be really, really surprised how often that curiosity is masquerading as concern because really, you don't really need to know. Um, A few things that I did that were helpful for Chelsea, she said, is I went over and I cleaned out her refrigerator. They were getting a lot of food. I just cleaned out a refrigerator. Um, Laundry is another thing like that. You know, you don't really need to know somebody very well to clean out their refrigerator. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I think another thing we think is when there's a tragedy or a trauma is I don't know the person that well, so I'm going to keep my distance and let their closer friends help. But I would just want to say from personal experience, because we're all dealing with our own things and we're all adults with complicated pasts, sometimes people don't show up Uh, that you think are going to show up and the people that you would have never expected show up. And you, there's no like, there's no like permission slip you need to, to be helpful. I do think that it's great, especially if somebody like, you know, has a cancer diagnosis and they're getting kind of bombarded with help. If maybe you find a close friend to that person and, and say, hey, I was thinking about doing this. What do you think about that? 
that's something that I've found to be helpful because then they sometimes come back and go, you know what? She actually doesn't need that, but just keep praying for her. And I, and, and I don't get personally offended because it's not about me. Another big tip that a lot of people have shared with me is to try to remember the anniversaries. Anniversaries, especially with the loss of a child or the loss of a loved one, they can bring up a lot of triggers. They can bring up a lot of past memories. And so um, to just mark those dates in your calendar, I have I have dates marked in my calendar like that to, to reach out to people and remind them that I'm thinking about them on that day. And that's a really easy thing to do that you don't have to ask just when somebody loses their mom or their dad or somebody close to them or or they get a diagnosis or you remember the season, you just make a note of it like, like anything else in life. Another really good specific tip is to say, how are you today? Rather than how are you, how are you today? I think some other great things that I've heard from a lot of people and that I can say from personal experiences, just don't be offended if you bring someone a meal and they don't invite you in or they don't feel like talking. Don't, don't be offended if you drop something off at someone's door. I I remember my sister-in-law Chelsea telling me she was so grateful for the function to just like heart a text message rather than having to respond to text messages. There's just so many things that you can do without permission now, like sending people cookies, sending people a meal, like that are just so easy. And I think the, the number one thing is to remember just because they don't respond to you to, to not get offended and Another really, really important thing I wanted to talk about is to not judge people for how they handle their trauma. So don't judge yourself for how you handle your trauma and don't judge other people for how they're handling their trauma. This was really helpful to me. I learned this from the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Trauma victims often have just as much shame about how they responded or reacted to the event as they do about the event. And so when we see people on social media sharing about something, it's very easy to judge them and think, if that happened to me, this is what I would do. But I would like to say from personal experience, You have no idea what you would do until your body, until your nervous system is in a state of shock and shut down. You have no idea what you would do. And also, every single situation is different. I behaved very differently after my car accident than I did after I gave birth and had severe postpartum anxiety and depression. And so I would have thought that I behaved similarly, which is I become almost agoraphobic. I can't talk to people. I can't speak to people. When I got hit by a car, I was online sharing. Also, remember that pain medications cause people to say things that they wouldn't normally say. Sleep deprivation, stress, anxiety, I think the number one thing we can do for each other is to not judge each other and ourselves for how we handle our trauma. So as we go through our lives, let's just remember that we're all just these people on the planet carrying around crazy things that have happened to us, little things that have been said to us that have wounded us down to our hearts and souls. And this is why that agreement from the four agreements of take nothing personally is just so true because we just don't know each other's experiences. And I have been so obsessed with, yeah, but why do why do I seem to be a bigger baby about this? Why would this affect one person and not affect another person? Why does trauma affect somebody this way? We were just talking to one of Eric's good friends who had seriously a freaking traumatic 
upbringing, a traumatic childhood, and he is a thriving, successful human. And he said, you know, I think I realized my coping mechanism is nonsense. He just uses absolute, almost inappropriate nonsense as his coping mechanism. And that's if he just was blessed with and developed a very healthy coping mechanism where other people develop drinking. But also... An, an important thing about him is he sought out people that appreciated his nonsense. He did. He really did. And so did. It, it encouraged it, and that that uh, was his therapy. And so rather than judging and saying, well, why didn't I seek that out? Why do I have this harmful behavior? Why do I have an eating disorder as my coping mechanism? We go back to that self-compassion. We go back to that love. All of us are wired differently. We're all nurtured differently. Even if you were raised by the same parents, like every kid, like think of how we raise our children. They're all getting a slightly different version of me. And all of them have slightly different wiring and slightly different ecosystems. We're all just wired differently. And so one thing that I am doing on my crusade to help everyone be more trauma aware is I am working with a local nonprofit called the Children's Justice Center. The Children's Justice Center is incredible. They're all over the country and they provide therapy and resources and help and aid to anybody who realizes that their child has been subject to physical or sexual abuse. So the Children's Justice Center helps minimize trauma for children who have suffered from physical or sexual abuse. And they also make sure that they get all of the info that they need to help the child build an effective case. So they work hand in hand with law enforcement. They work hand in hand with justice and child and family services. I was talking to the Children's Justice Center and they're completely nonprofit. I said, now that we've learned about how important it is for this early intervention, especially with childhood trauma, I said, what is the Children's Justice Center? What are you guys doing to help these children in in terms of therapy? And they said that each child who comes to the Children's Justice Center, and they have almost a thousand children go through this one in Provo just every year, it has a recommended 16 sessions, and usually there's more needed. I said to them, my goal is to raise enough money to help 50 kids because they're running completely on donations. They're a nonprofit. They get a little bit of government money. And here's the thing about trauma, guys, is it's not just affecting these children in Provo or in the city you're living in. They then go out and impact the world. Trauma affects every single person individually, and then it affects everyone that they go out and touch. And like I said, I really believe like this early childhood trauma is such a huge part of the suicide and loneliness epidemic that are plaguing our country right now. And so I said, "What, what can I do? What can my awesome empire do? How can we help? My goal is to raise enough money for 50 children. I want us to pay for 50 kids to get the recommended 16 sessions of trauma therapy. So that averages out to $560 for 16 sessions, which means for one child to get one session of therapy, it's $35. So for 50 kids, it's about $28,000. And we are, I want to say a little under halfway there. So this is what I'm going to do. We easily get 30,000 listens or downloads on an individual podcast episode. If you guys will share this podcast episode, we're going to get even more than that. Plus, I think this is a really important episode to share with people. And I am asking, if you are listening, if you've got a dollar, 
just a dollar even. If you've got $5, great. If you've got $35, great. But even if all you have is a dollar, if you will throw that into our goal to raise the Children's Justice Center here in Utah County enough money to get 50 children the needed therapy to have the tools to succeed and thrive in life, that would mean so much to me. That would be the best Christmas gift that you could give me. That would be the best support of the podcast you could give me. We're going to put the direct links to donate through Venmo or through their site in the episode description. They're also on my Instagram at the Allison Show. There's a CJC highlight and you can swipe up if that's easier for you. If you've already donated, thank you so much. I was hoping that this would happen quickly. I was thinking, oh, everybody's going to give money and it's taken longer. And I'm really, really grateful that it has because it's given me an opportunity to bring more awareness to this beautiful program, to bring more awareness to how important trauma therapy is. I am, I'm just so grateful for this platform. I'm so grateful for the collective power that we have. And I'm so grateful to be able to talk to you about this because it really, really matters to me. You guys are doing an incredible job. I want to send you so much love and support right now, especially if you're going through something hard. I want to um, send you support if this has dug things up for you that are uncomfortable to listen um, and think about. Just, I want you to give yourself so much space and compassion to just remember that honestly taking care of yourself and you can't give what you don't have. You cannot give what you don't have. So if you want to give more love, if you want to give more compassion, you need to give more of it to yourself. And and we need that. I'm so grateful. So the links to donate are in the bio. You guys are doing an amazing job. I hope you share this episode. Eric, do you have a review for us? I do have a review. This is from Alicia Lauret. She says, I wonder how I've gotten through 28 years of life without coming across Allison and Eric too before. Oh, come on. I've been binging this podcast and business therapy whenever I'm driving, do housework during my morning routine, basically all day. It's always sure to put a smile on my face and make me think about how to be a better person. Thank you so much, Allison and Eric. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. I, I love hearing that. And I'm so glad you're listening to Business Therapy, my podcast where I coach people on how to do what they feel called to do. We're just so grateful for all of you. And just one little quick reminder about, remember how I wanted you to give us money for the children? It's for the children, but the children love the books. No, it's not funny, but I love that quote from Elf so much. <laughs> So you can find those links in my profile. Sharing is caring. You guys sharing about the episodes that you've been loving and leaving those reviews is so great. So Alicia, shoot us an email to awesomewithallison at theallisonshow.com. That's Allison with one O. We're going to get you some goodies. You're doing a really good job. You're doing a really, really good job. I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you for showing up. And I want to remind you that only you can be you. And you're already as awesome as you need to be. Take us out on something good, lover. I'm going to give uh, a Christmas gift to you all. Oh, yeah? I did this song with a violinist in my neighborhood. Oh, this is a gift. And um, Her name yeah, is I mean, Maria. Maria Clayton. She's awesome. And uh, she plays violin. She's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So this is called Silent Night or All is Calm, the other title. Enjoy. Thank you.